there was time now. There was, was all the time I needed. You know, like men will say anything to you to get your attention. You've been out of the game, but you still get hit on a lot, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I usually just ignore it at all, all the time. I ignore it. Yeah. I get well, hit on while I'm with Kyle. I hate that. I hate getting hit on when I'm with a guy. I hate that. I think it's disrespectful, but I hate getting, well, you know what though? There's going to come a day where nobody hits on me and I'm going to be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why doesn't anybody want to fetishize me and objectify me? So here's like a good, like, like what the fuck? I don't even know how to respond to this. A guy came up to me at the gym and said, do you have the black card? Because I have your massage chair. What does that even mean? What? What did (laughs) like that is so? What is what what is he talking about? Like, is he saying like his dick is the massage chair? Like, yeah. Do you have a vibrating dick? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) The other one that that I actually thought was funny was, um, "Are you sitting on the F five key? Because that ass is refreshing." That was kind of funny. Don't. I mean, I'm not interested. I'm still not going there, but like, that's at least one that I'm comfortable telling my friends about and laughing about. Don't, don't get sucked into that. This is, hor- that's horrible. Uh, the other one I got was this guy came up to me and said, Hey, there's something wrong with your phone. And I said, how can you tell? And he said, my number is not in it. And that's just wrong. Uh, you should have said, Well, I just put my headphones back on and walked away. <laughs> so we actually never consistently introduce ourselves, by the way. Um, we try, but like everything else with us, we get off track so quickly. So I'm Crystal here with Ayana virtually today. Welcome to Ayana and Crystal's book club. Today we are finishing Dream Girl by Laura Lippman. We read part two through the end for this episode. We have not talked about the book in any sort of detail, and we barely even went over our outline this time. So this is going to be the most genuine unscripted episode yet, which means I will be editing out a lot of inappropriate content. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, Um, We can really get unfiltered today. I'm all about it. But spoiler warning, we will be discussing the ending in detail with spoilers. So you have been warned if you have not read the book or you're interested in reading the book, stop the podcast now, read the book and come back. Make sure you come back and listen. And um, of course, as normal, Crystal, did you write up one of your brilliant summaries of the last half of the book? I absolutely did. So when we last left our hero, Jerry, he was shocked to discover the dead body of his ex-girlfriend in his room when he awoke from his ambient-induced slumber. Now we learn that Margot is in fact dead, he did not hallucinate this, and he may have been the one to kill her. His night nurse, Eileen, is disturbingly calm, just very good in this situation, as if this is just what's meant in that part of the job description where they say other responsibilities as needed. (laughs) So she very quickly orders a deep freezer, some sort of like bone saw and half a cow and then stores the cow meat along with the human meat in the freezer, then donates the cow to a shelter. She had a whole story ready within minutes. And then she sends Victoria to New York for some tasks while she's cleaning up the Margot mess. And Eileen starts pretty much living at Jerry's penthouse. And then she even blackmails him into buying her the additional parking space in the complex's garage. And that causes friction with Victoria. Like, I like that Victoria is like, listen, you do all this other shit, but I draw the line at that parking space. Yes, exactly. That was her (laughs) like strong line. That's enough of that. And then in flashbacks, we learn that Jerry's roommate, Luke, died of AIDS. Jerry never went to say goodbye to him because, well... I mean, this is Jerry. Uh, There's also a flashback to an Ohio hotel bar where Jerry encounters a young woman who goes back to his room reluctantly and sleeps with him. Thus proving that Jerry is indeed the terrible human that we all suspected in part one. Now back to current day, the climax big reveal, Victoria and Eileen were the ones sending Jerry the dream girl letters. 
They are former students of his from that writing course he taught seven years ago. They are actually apparently known as Tori and Leany, and they devised a whole plan to try to get Jerry's approval on their writing. But the whole Margot murder plot was just a bonus, a bonus that Tori's not okay with. So once she finds out about, you know, Margot's body getting chopped up and whatever happened to that, uh, there's like a big fight between Tori and Leany that Jerry overhears, um, but he doesn't actually see it. But then Tori ends up being beaten to death and there's one more for the freezer. So we learn from Leany that Margot knew about Jerry's encounter in Ohio, which Leany now knows because about because his victim wrote him a letter that Margot intercepted at his New York condo. And in one very sick and final plot twist, his victim is his niece, the woman from the Ohio hotel room. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. The daughter of his half-sister from his father's second family is the woman that he assaulted. Um, I mean, he didn't know that, but which is irrelevant, it's just gross. She was writing to him because Jerry's father left everything to Jerry's mother when he died. And now Jerry's mother is also dead. So his secret half family is being robbed of an inheritance that Jerry really doesn't need. Eileen is just insane. So when his niece, Kim, comes to see him, Jerry warns her to leave before Leany can kill her. At Jerry's instruction, Kim pushes his hospital bed toward Leany, who's coming up those really sweet floating stairs. Which knocks her down, sending Jerry with her, and it kills both of them. Mm, 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 mm. Man, that was a lot. I mean, we have so much to discuss. I'm so ready to talk about this. But you forgot the very end where Kim steals Eileen or Leany's book about Jerry and adds some shit, then says Jerry co-authors it. And so Kim really leveraged the death, the death to her benefit and adds that horrible Ohio scene to her book to make sure Jerry's reputation as a pervert is solidified. But this is how you keep me thrilled. This is thrill. This is what th psychological thriller is all about. So many shocking twists in this one. Crystal, which twist shocked you the most? Finding out that Kim was his niece. So I was shocked about the Margot actually being dead. I was pretty shocked about the Leany and Tori knowing each other being the dream girl thing. But when I read that, like the woman he assaulted was his niece, it was just so disgusting to me. Like I was just so shocked by it. And then I think it kind of adds an element that like you're already horrified by that, you know, that that he did that. And then he tries to justify it too, being like, oh, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like when you get his telling of it versus her telling of it, it's two very different things. And he didn't even give her an opportunity in Ohio for her to be like, no, I actually am related to you because all this shit just escalates. And like, obviously she freezes and has this horrible thing happen to her. But then finding out that it's his niece, I was like, oh, Gross. There's this girl that I went to college with who, when people would say like really twisted shit like that, she'd be like, oh, dude, fucking barf. So when I read that, all I thought of was this girl I used to know in college saying, oh, fucking barf. Yeah, that to me was the most shocking part like that. And when I was reading it and I know that um, like I died, I dove right in. So you were a little bit behind me when we were reading, but I'm like texting you like, did you, are you reading? Like, what is, I know I'm like, we're not talking about it, but oh my God, like I'm just sending you like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. You got to finish this. You got to yeah, get on like, this. Text after text, like, oh my God. It's so crazy. And when I read that, and especially um, just to clarify that part specifically, because when we're talking about the fact that she had sex with him, he kind of forced her like, and it, it, she was saying no, like he, she was absolutely he, saying no. Yes. She was, he, he reiterated, like she's saying no, no, but her body's saying yes. And that to me was like, this dude is so fucked up. Like that's that shit from back in the day, like where they, well, not even back in the day, like current day as well, but where it's like, oh, you're saying no, but you really mean yes. Like, no, she was saying no, she's not giving consent, but you're like pushing. And she was young. She was a young girl. So he's like pushing himself onto her. She freezes up and he hears the no, but he's like, but your body's saying yes. No, it was saying no, you pervert. 
Did you watch what's the show? It's the spinoff from the Cosby show. Well, Cosby, but it is the spinoff of the, the Cosby show with, um, oh, what's her name? Different world. Lisa Burnett. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Different world. So mm-hmm. there is an episode. I used to love that. I used to watch it in the morning before school because the reruns were always on in the morning. Yeah. So there was an episode of that that I remember and that actually has gotten some traction recently because like it's so pertinent even in today and on that show there's a character he's just like I think just a one episode story arc character Mm um where he says to I think the like main guy's name is is it Dwayne Dwayne Mm -hmm. Dwayne so he's like on the basketball team or baseball team with Dwayne and he tells him about like how he slept with some girl And Dwayne was like shocked by it. And then he was like, yeah, you know, they're saying no, but really you just got to work them through it because you have to give them permission to give in to you. And that is still today what I think people believe. And like, first of all, I like that that's from what, like the eighties or the nineties. And like, Mm -hmm. we're still having that conversation today and literally nothing has changed. Right. So I think that it's interesting that Jerry is kind of, putting that out there too, that like, oh, she's saying no, but like, I'm just giving her permission to do what she wants to do. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, in that same uh, scenario or the, the, the action that happened once he, because he didn't actually like have sex with her, he went down on her. And once it was over, she, he was like, okay, now it's your turn. And she's like, like I don't want to do any of this but he's like come on come on like like he's forcing her and especially when she's like so young she's thinking okay I have no choice or you're gonna hurt me you know what I mean so she's like oh I want to use a condom or she's like a condom for what like the whole story of it the way it was being told it was like this so cringe yeah but it absolutely happens and then to come that when it came out that it was his niece blue my mind blew my mind away remember when she confronted him and told him like hey I'm your niece I'm the girl from Ohio that you assaulted he was like oh wow like this is crazy but I can get over the fact that um she's my niece but can I get over the fact that she's saying that I assaulted her like in his mind he's like well what's worse like is it worse that she's my niece or is it worse that she thinks I assaulted her you yeah, he still frames it in the what's worse her opinion of yeah. that evening or the fact that she's my niece yes um her opinion of it yes. is irrelevant because if you just take a step back objectively and view that scene jerry you were wrong yes absolutely. and you are a pervert yes so going along with that Jerry does in the end, I guess, try to save Kim, get her out of the house away from Eileen, who's just batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Jerry knew the risks of pushing the hospital bed with him in it toward Eileen? Like, do you think that that was kind of like a redemption thing for him? Like, okay, maybe I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe in this final moment, he's like, you know what? I have fucked up every chance I've gotten. Now I'm going to sacrifice myself so that she can get out of here safely. Do you, do you think that maybe that was kind of like a redemption thing for him? No, no. I mean, I definitely feel like he, obviously he did it to save Kim, but I, I don't think that he knew that he was going to die as well. Like, or I think he thought that it's going to be enough where we're just going to pin Eileen to the wall she can make a run for it and, you know, I can get my walker and try to get up out of, the, get up out of here. But at no time did I think that, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb. I'm going to do this because I feel so bad for what I've done and, and I don't deserve to be on this planet anymore. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I think that he does take it as a redemption. I just don't think that he, I don't think he would have done it had he known he was going to die. Cause you know, there are scenarios where I feel like people will do something knowing like, okay, I fucked up so much, but in this moment, if, if anything happens to me, I'm comfortable leaving this world because I'm saving whatever else. 
I think that's like a pretty common theme in like shows, movies, whatever. Yeah. I'm just thinking of it because I know you did not watch Squid Game, but I watched Squid Game, which is my daughters did, and they they talk. My little daughter watched watched it. Ooh. Emma, but they watched it as a collective. Okay. And my little daughter was like, I cried so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch it. So there is a couple of characters on there that sacrifice themselves or potentially could sacrifice themselves. And it is their sort of redemption. This is not, I don't think that's the case with Jerry. Cause I think that if he knew for sure, like, Hey, a hundred percent, Jerry, you're falling down one last time on those awesome floating stairs. Super cool floating. St- I want floating stairs. So well. obviously you're like, <laughs> I really do. I really do. Ruling over them. Maybe not these specific ones. Cause we don't know what his look like, but the ones that I Google, well, obviously they look like a death trap. <laughs> I, mean, I know that actually dying me, left and right. that makes me want him even more. He he was in a body cast for six <laughs> months. <laughs> I love to live dangerously inside my home. <laughs> so, so I think that had he known for sure, like there's a pretty good probability that you die. I don't think he would have done it. I think that he would have been comfortable letting Kim get all chopped up, just like Margot and Tori. <laughs> And then uh, married Eileen. <laughs> Remember, she yeah. wanted to marry him. She was yeah. like, well, we just need to get married, Jerry, because if, if we're married, oh. then I can't testify against you and they can't force me to talk. <laughs> He's like, what is wrong? This, this lady, Eileen, I knew it from the beginning that she was out of her mind. And when it was basically solidified that she was out of her mind, I was just like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny because you called it last week when we yeah. said, who do you think killed Margo? And you said, Eileen. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew. I know crazy people. <laughs> I pictured Eileen like being like, I don't know, like short hair, glasses, you know, kind of just plain Jane sort of. But like one of those women that like unironically wears like a cat sweater. See, I, I pictured her as like a older person, even though she wasn't like, yeah, she's just, not I like know, an old soul. I just, I just pictured her as an older person who like smoked a lot of like Marlboro cigarettes mm. and like had like a raspy voice, you know what I mean? And, like, I did hey, not Jerry, picture that. <laughs> what is it that you want? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, see, I did mind, not. That's the voice that I heard when I'm whenever <laughs> that she her character came into to play. The voice that was talking was like, "Hey, Jerry, I killed Margot. <laughs> I did it for us." <laughs> no, see, I thought that she was one of. Have you ever known somebody who, after everything they say, they kind of chuckle a little bit, where it's like a little psychotic, where like they'll say something. I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anybody we mutually know who does this. Yeah, where like they'll and obviously I wouldn't name them anyway, but <laughs> well, of course not. Why would we do that? I would text it to you privately, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> but they're like they'll like say something that's like a little bit of like a risk where like are they joking? Are they not? And then they'll just be like, um, I I know somebody that does this and it drives me up a wall because they'll say something like kind of fucked up. Like they'd say something like, Oh, Jerry, so you you fucked your niece? Ha <laughs> ha. Like that, kind of, <laughs> like they do kind of like a ha ha ha, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought she was doing. She's like, oh, Margo's dead. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Probably did. Like, I, I could see that as well. Like she just seemed like she was not. Like she's phased. very unwell. She was not faced by any of this. And unfortunate for, for Tori that she didn't know that this is the person that you <laughs> <laughs> she that you aligned with. yourself with because now you're dead <laughs> like she didn't know how deep Lini was gonna go and Lini's sleeping in jerry's bed wait the fact that she she was poisoning him <laughs> or drugging <laughs> him like he thought he was taking his regular medicine and like a, a, a calcium pill or something like that and she was like giving him like double doses of like xanax and ambien <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was some other sleeping pill, too. It was her prescribed sleeping pill. So he's like doubled up on Ambien and whatever the other sleeping pill was. Like she could have just killed him. Honestly, you should not be taking that many sleeping pills because she wasn't a nurse. She 
<laughs> so she had no idea what she was prescribing. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> well, obviously, that's how you start. <laughs> if she didn't die, she would have definitely been like head nurse <laughs> in the ER trauma center. Well, like to her credit, though, I recently read an article that uh, somebody like one of my friends, female friends sent to me because we laughed about it because we both joke about how like emotionally unstable and like insane we are. I think it's a joke. I think that she might actually be crazy, but I don't think I am. Maybe. But the article said that women who are emotionally unstable are better in bed. What in the world? Yeah, I'll send it to you. <laughs> Please, Please send it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like the whole thing. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think that's true because I'm pretty comfortable being terrible in bed. So I must be not insane. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but I think that Eileen could have, you know, positioned herself with Jerry. Like, listen, man, I know that you're not physically attracted to me and I am fucking nuts. But the only thing you seem to care about is your uncircumcised dick. And I'm fucking crazy. So we could really do some damage if you know what I mean. Yeah. Listen, he was repulsed by her. Like he hated her so much. And <laughs> and and only because she wasn't quote unquote to his standards pretty. You know what I mean? Like if she was pretty and this out of control, insane, he oh, he'd be into it. He'd oh, be he'd into be it. so into it. If he she looked like a woman that he would sleep with and objectify as he does, he would have been like, I don't care who you murdered and what you did get up in this bed with me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The more people you kill, the hotter you become to me. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, can you get the judge to come to the house while I'm still in this bed and marry us? Because I need to get this down right now. <laughs> you are out of your goddamn mind, but you are a 10 out of 10. Right. So now with that being said, like, who do you think really inspired dream girl? I think it's interesting because there was one part. So you really called a lot of things that happened in this book. There was one part and I don't, I didn't write it down. Normally I do. Unprepared. Yeah. Unprepared. I normally, when I'm doing it, I do write some stuff, but I don't have uh yeah. So, but you, you had said like, what if he sort of copied somebody's writing? Mm -hmm. And there was kind of an, an allusion to that mm -hmm. when he was talking about something and he's like defending himself. Like, he's like, yeah, listen, I may have read like other people's stuff, but I never like stole this idea. And like when yeah. he implanted that, I was like, well, then why would you say it the same exactly. way? Like everything with him where he's like, yeah, like, yeah, I did that. But like, exactly. <laughs> like he, he, he's so, he's not self-aware. Like he is so not. oblivious to like the, the, the errors of his ways. But then it's like, is he really, because sometimes he highlights it and he's like, yeah, I, I know that, you know, I cheated on everybody and, you know, I assaulted my secretary or this, but I'm a good person, right? <laughs> like, so you say all of the trash stuff that you've done, but then you still call yourself a, a good person. So when he said those things about, about or alluded to, yeah, well, I've read some things and, you know, I may have taken a, a line or two from that piece or inspiration. Of, like I might've been inspiration. Inspired, but yet, but... I, I came up with this and this is how I know for sure that he stole dream girl from someone is because when people were talking about dream girl, they kept saying how he was writing uh, the, the, the language of the girl that he was writing for was so like in depth. And so like, how do you know this personal, like, how do you know how to develop a woman character so well being a man? And it, and even his other works that came out, it was like, eh, it doesn't sound that good. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't shop the second book because everyone's like, Dream Girl was so good. Your the voice of Dream Girl was so good, but the second book is trash. Like it doesn't sound anything like you or like how you presented that first book. That's why because he didn't write it, he stole it. I think he stole it from the girl in his class that was like wrote the the SWAT, SWAT team. team. <laughs> yes, I think he stole it from her. I think he helped her develop. Like she can't because he told her to come back and like develop the characters and develop this thing. And I think she came back and developed something. He was like, oh, this is actually really good. I think he stole it from the hot girl in class. Ooh. 
because he she's the only one that he remembers that's true and he kind of revered her and he said her writing was really good i don't know why i still think he stole it from the the other girl the not hot girl the (laughs) The ugly one the reason being is because he doesn't remember her and he's a piece of trash like i think he would remember stealing it from the hot girl because he remembers the hot girl so he would probably remember her body of work oh that's because he doesn't remember anybody that is not hot he didn't remember tori and (laughs) leanie like these this these girls were in your class and you don't remember them at all and they're in your and you also had a class of like 12 people yeah, exactly it's not like you 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 were in a lecture hall with like 200 students <laughs> it was 12 people you own you remember only the hot girls that's why they were able to infiltrate and come into your house <laughs> and like do the things that they did to you it's because you're so he's a misogynistic pig that's what he was he really is an uncircumcised one at that at that so i mean (laughs) (laughs) so but here's the only thing like i kind of view that and i'm like yeah he doesn't really know how to write from a female's perspective so it does kind of seem weird that then dream girl would be so well developed but then when i take a step back i'm like but this female author writing this dream girl basically writes a man that like we think this of men. <laughs> so yeah, see, so she kind of plays into this sort of ideology of like, we just think that these men are pigs that only care about what you look like. But it's true. I know. No, and then I'm like, true. yeah, but that is true. But I don't know that, honestly. And I do know some really good guys that I don't think are like that. But this very, so I'm not saying no, all men, but, but this but specific he's, he's type older, of man. See, he's an older white well-off privileged white man like everything that he said like he would talk about um the way Lini would pronounce stuff like uh like I can't even like he was so annoyed with the fact that she was not as educated as him and like articulate as him and like sir come on <laughs> like what do you picture Jerry looking like because we didn't talk about that like if you were picturing like an actor or something for him, who do you think it would be? I I don't know. Um, I'm definitely thinking like an old gray haired man, but I'm trying to think of like a name because I don't really know too many names of people. I, I have to think about that. I'm picturing like Tom Hiddleston 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> looks wise looks That's wise uh not yeah. personality wise because i think he actually seems like a decent dude yeah i don't know although watch uh, 10 years from now he'll come out as being the most problematic person from the marvel universe right exactly. that's always how it goes nobody saw bill cosby coming just you know america's dad yeah you're right that's true that's true same with the guy from seventh heaven whatever his name is oh my god This is this is exactly why the author Laura Lippman was able to have this guy (laughs) because I'm sure, especially like being an author and probably having to deal with publishing houses and like you know shop her book around and deal with things, she's probably come across older gentlemen that are trash every single. I mean, we we get it. Listen, you've already said. There have been times like a, a, a an older guy will like touch your rare in the <laughs> butt at the gym or something like that. And, and I no, know- it was at Rudders. I had that happen one time at Rudders. I was yeah. waiting in line to get I forget what I was even waiting for because like they have I don't you do you have rudders yeah yeah yeah. i mean not near me but i've been to a rudder before yeah Yeah. so they have like you can get coffee and stuff like Mm -hmm. made like espresso just like sheets and i'm like standing there i think i was just waiting for a coffee and i'm standing there like texting on my phone and out of nowhere i feel like a hand on my ass yeah he's lucky my dad wasn't there because if my dad would have been there i would have went out and got my dad and told him to kill that guy so i guess actually really my dad was lucky to not be there because he he would have killed that guy yeah, because this man was like 45 and I was like, I don't know, this was like maybe two or three years ago. So I was like 28. Like, that's disgusting. Yeah, that's horrible. I mean, I've had it done to me, like in the grocery store. They like they before the whole, you know, six feet, which 
it's still crazy, but like those oh, men still like they don't super even. close. And then, oh, I had a guy like in the grocery store one time, like start rubbing my shoulders and was like, oh, what, what you, um, he was like, oh, what did he say? Like, you're getting, you're getting a lot of groceries or like something stupid. What the fuck? Like, Sir, what are, why are you touching me? He's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just trying to be nice. It look what? So you touched me, a uh, touch a total stranger. And it was like summertime. So I think I had like a halter top on. So my shoulders were bare. So you're like touching bare shoulder on me. Sir, don't touch me. But that, but this is what I'm talking about. This is why she can write from that point of view is because I'm sure, I'm sure she knows of someone. She's experienced this before. Where Probably. We, where we can, we can uh, see it automatically. Yeah. This, this is absolutely true. This absolutely can happen. And especially when you get to well-off, older, old school white men. There is this sort of idea that men have that like, you know, oh, well, you won't know unless you ask. And that is true. Like, here's the thing. I'm not saying that I'm totally unapproachable, that you can't come up to me and talk to me and, um, you know, just say something nice, you know, like you could come up to me. I've had guys like do it nicely where they're like, well, a lot of times I've had, I had it when I had my older car because there is sort of like a a loyalty among Mazda owners that like, when you see somebody with a Mazda, um, I haven't had it happen with this one, but this was my Mazda six. Cause that was like a pretty sharp looking car. So like I did have a guy come up and like, start talking to me about my car. And then like, you know, like they're nice. The they're friendly Jeep, Jeep owners too. Like yeah. Jeep oh, that's true. Love to talking about Jeeps. Yeah. So I didn't feel like threatened by that. And I had a guy one time, like some men really are, I don't want to just trash men all the time because there yeah. are really genuinely good guys in this world. That's so funny. I had a guy one time where I was like driving to work and then out of nowhere, like my tire pressure was low. So I think I like hit something and I had no idea how to put air in my tires. My dad always does it for me or my brother. So when I pulled off to rudders, cause that's my go-to here in New York, mm-hmm. this guy, I was like struggling. And this guy just comes up and he's like, Hey, do you want some help? And he wasn't like, Oh, Hey, you stranded. You want to like yeah. jump up on it. And then after like when he put, <laughs> cause that's actually never happened to me. No one's ever said, Hey, are you stranded? You want to jump up on it? But if they did, I don't know how I would react, but (laughs) because that is kind of funny. (laughs) But, you know, like and then as he's like filling out, I'm like, great. Like, is this guy going to expect something? But he he totally didn't. Super nice guy. And and that I don't mind. Like, you can be a genuinely good person without being like, hey, I did something for you. So now what? You got a You got a condom? (laughs) <laughs> no you're right um I, I've actually had that too especially it was an older gentleman I was young in my like early 20s um so naturally I was broke af and he was probably 35 so when you say older gentleman <laughs> when you're right, 20 <laughs> exactly right I was like 21 so obviously anyone older than 21 you look like you're 75 sir <laughs> so he was in his 30s yeah exactly um but I was um, pumping gas. Right. So I went to the gas pump and I, no, I went inside and I paid and I had like $10 to my name at that time. So I was like, I need 10 on like pump one, whatever. So I went and I pumped gas and I'm, I don't know if I was like looking in the car or looking at somewhere else, but the pump kept going. And I didn't even notice that it kept going. Like it didn't stop at 10. Oh, it, you got right. charged for it. Well, it, it, it went to, and when I noticed it, it was at like $22 or something like that. So I like clicked, you know, took the it fuck out. Were you staring off into space for like I don't know what four I was minutes? I really, I really can't um, begin to tell you what was happening. But so I panicked. I went inside and I'm just like, hey, the pump didn't stop. And so he was like, oh, well, you got, you know, you got extra gas. You got to pay the extra money. And I'm like, I have literally no money on me, sir. I'm sorry. I was like. I don't know what I could do. Like, can I come back and, you know, pay for it later? And he's like, no, we, you know, so he was like basically talking about calling the cops. And I'm like, first of all, it wasn't even my fault. I came in and paid. You're supposed to like, yeah, shut it off, shut it off. Like you're supposed to put in the 10. So you didn't do your job, sir. I did what I needed to do. 
But then this guy stepped up and he was like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay her. And I was like, oh, you know, thank you. Um, you know, I appreciate it. He was like, no problem. And that was it. Walked off. So I was like, that was nice. And, you know, he paid. And but in that pay. moment, did you think because you wanted $10, you put in, let's say, 22 in that moment when he offers to pay, are you like, holy shit, am I about to give a $12 blowjob? No. Absolutely. See, not. that would have gone through my mind because I always think that the expectation is there. Like nobody ever really does anything for free. So when somebody does then I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have to give a twelve dollar blowjob. I if he would have insinuated any of that, I would have left my entire car there. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> take the car. I'm not giving you a job for, for ten dollars again. No, twelve dollars. Well, twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. And, and some change because it was like 22 something, whatever. But no, sir, you can have the whole vehicle. My car isn't worth $12. It wasn't. Listen, it was my very first car that my dad bought me when I was like 17 or 18 or whatever. So it was like on its last leg. It was like a 1986 Nissan Sentra. So it was already like barely making it around anyway. So anyway. This so, is just yeah. one of our many tangents. So did any part of Lini and Tori's plan make sense to you? I read it a couple of times and no. I was just like, I didn't know where they were going with it. Yeah. Like, what, like, you, what was what, the end what goal? Was your objective just to get him to read your writing finally. Yeah. Cause he's <laughs> not going to ever think you're pretty. I know, but that's what I was like. Did, or were they just like, think that we're pretty, we're pretty enough to get your approval. Like, were they really pining for his approval or like, do you think they have daddy issues? I mean, obviously, because to, to do all of this, you have to have some type of issues, but yeah, that's true. My thought process was you, especially Tori, because Lini came in later because he hurt himself, but Tori was his assistant for a while, right? Wasn't she? Mm, yeah. I was think she? she was hired first. Yeah. And then didn't they say that like it just kind of worked out that then he needed a nurse because I guess yeah. their plan was going to go a little different. Different. Yeah. But still the plan ultimately was just to get him to read their writing. Like which makes no sense. Exactly. And cuz who needs his approval? He's an asshole. And also why did they start out by by sending him letters pretending to be this dream girl? Like why did you need to do yeah. that? I, I, I didn't, didn't understand. understand that part. Of it. I didn't understand that either. <laughs> I was like the, the, when she broke down the plan and I'm thinking this plan didn't make any sense to begin with. <laughs> yeah. The and only then, thing that made sense is when he got hurt and Lini was in, and then you guys were like trying to extort him for money or whatever that kind of made sense. But if he didn't get hurt, he was just walking around this house. What were you going to do? Yeah. What was, I didn't understand. Like what was you were going to assist him to death? <laughs> I'm going to assist you to death, but <laughs> I also, there was a couple of things that he said about like, even still, he's such a dick. Even when he knows that like Eileen is killing people, he's like, no. So this is just, Eileen is just a character that she's playing. And I respect that, you know? And then he's yes. like, because Lini reads. Eileen yes. doesn't read. That's, that's the, the character that she that's plays. That's where I'm talking about his pompous, like arrogant attitude. Like it was just disgusting throughout the whole thing. But yet it was so on brand for the type of man he was. And he like, is. That is that that was like so like I felt he was being genuine to who he was in that moment. That is true. That is true. Like I did say last week that I thought maybe he was a little unreliable because of, you know, his opinions and the fact that he's not self-aware, mm -hmm. but he's, he's nothing if not consistent. Yes. And he does not really change. At and all. I think that's, I think that even when you take the sort of like dynamic of him just being a womanizer away from it, I think mm -hmm. that was the reason why you get the scene with Luke when Luke's dying and yes. Tara's like, Hey, like, what did his lesions look like on his face? And he's right. like, Oh, they looked horrible. And she's like, he doesn't have lesions on his face. I know you're lying. You didn't go see him. Yes. You're a piece of shit. And then he's like, 
And for whatever reason, now Tara won't talk to me. And I haven't right. talked to her ever again because I didn't go see our dying best friend when I said I would because I had to. What did he do? He like he didn't go because he was banging Margot or something, right? No, I think he just didn't want to go. Like, I think he was like, I just don't want like he he went and then there was like a line and he was like, I'm not waiting this line. I don't care. And well, sometimes I do that, though, where I'm like, uh, if I go somewhere and I'm like, oh, God, this line's really long. I'm going to take this as a sign that I I'm yeah, not going to do this. I don't think, would it be if it was your dying best friend? Like if it was. Oh, absolutely dying, not. Yeah. If it was your dying best friend and like there was a line to get into to view the body or whatever, or to pay your respects to the family. Like, I feel like I would wait in the line. Well, yeah. If I was waiting in line for a train ticket to go see my dying best friend. Yeah. I would wait in the line, yes. but like for little things. Oh, little things. I'm yeah. not waiting in line for there's very few know. things I'd wait in line for. Really, I've, line I've for gone to Target it. and put a whole shopping cart back. Because oh my god! Absolutely, <laughs> like, it's just it, not worth the lip gloss that I thought I needed. No, I'll I'll go when it like when the pandemic first started and like there was lines everywhere. I was like, I "There's it. no way I don't need anything." <laughs> we I will live off the land. I will figure it out. I'm not going. Like there were like. Wrapped around Costco's, like lines wrapped around. Yeah, lines out the door for Target. I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's no, there's no way I need to wait online for toilet paper. (laughs) Oh, my brother did because this was actually this is one of my favorite stories between him and his wife, and I'm surprised that his wife didn't just kill him. So he, like, the week before any of this starts happening, they were at Sam's Club, Mm -hmm. and they usually buy stuff ahead, like most people do. Like, you know, if you're not sure. You're like, okay, well, we're here now because they don't go to Sam's Club every week. Mm -hmm. So she was like, hey, I think we might need toilet paper. And he's like, no, I don't think we do. And and then she was like, well, can't we just get it? Because we're not going to come to Sam's Club for probably three weeks. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, I don't think so. I don't think we have anywhere to store this. And you've been to his house. Like, he does not have a tiny little house. Like, you can can find a place to put it on the deck with the spider wolves. Wolf spiders. Oh, yeah. Well, he has a whole basement, too. So, like, you could eat in a garage. So you could find a place. place you can store toilet paper. How much toilet paper were you getting anyway? (laughs) Like, yeah, seriously. (laughs) So, So then it's like a week goes by and now there's like this toilet paper shortage and it turns out they actually needed toilet paper. <laughs> so this is like the prime time of like, dude, this is literally your wife was right and you yeah. totally disregarded her. And normally like, okay, that shit happens. Like it's something little like toilet paper. If this was not during a pandemic, like yeah. you could just run back to Sam's club, be like, I'm sorry, you were right. Right. You know, I'll listen to you next time for this. Like it's huge because right. now we can't find toilet paper right. anywhere. You literally because, have to go on the black market. <laughs> right. Because you didn't fucking listen to me. Now you have to order toilet paper and an underage girl because it comes as a package <laughs> on the black market. Yeah, and, yeah, you gotta get it through Wayfair. So you gotta get this cabinet with a child with your toilet paper. <laughs> so so your conscience is not clear now because you didn't listen to your wife. Right, exactly. She doesn't bring it up, but like I think about it, and like I would never like say anything because that's my brother, but I do sometimes think about it when like if I overhear them like starting to argue about something else really stupid, I want to be like, nah, nah, remember the toilet paper in 2020 (laughs) (laughs) when she was right. Uh, well, listen, I'd like to keep the new theme going. Last time we added some general questions about the book, so I want to revisit a few of those for this book. So would you want to read another book by Laura Lippin? Yes, I would. I liked her writing style. I liked how she tied in like the flashbacks with current day and they all made sense. So not to bring up the past, but we've read other things where like the flashbacks didn't didn't seem like they were going anywhere for me. And actually not even books we've read. I've just had other books too, in general, where that happens, where like they toss a flashback and it's something so little that like, unless you read the book again, you're probably not going to pick up on it. So I liked that she tied in and it all was relevant 
And it was just mostly this sort of like characterization of Jerry that going back, he's always been a piece of shit. So I think that she writes characters very well. And I like to read for characters a lot of times. Like if I like a character or even if I, if I hate a character, I'll read Mm -hmm. even more. So I would definitely read another book by her. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that she gave us murder in part one. It was suspenseful. Um, very up to the end it was very suspenseful like what is going to happen it made me want more and more and more and I like that she was very consistent with her character developments like it wasn't like if Jerry would have had a like a breakthrough was like oh you know I'm such a good guy now I'd have been like "Eh, this doesn't feel real like he was genuinely the same disgusting person to the day he died so I like that I like the consistency I like the tone of the book I definitely would read something else by her. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that, that she was really good. So did your opinion of the book change as you read it? No, I mean, I thought it was good from the beginning. I was like really um, intrigued and like pulled in from the beginning. So, and she gave, she gave me good uh, context and and character development and like storyline and plot until the very end. I thought it was good. Yeah, mine didn't really change. There was like little parts where I was like, it it didn't lose me or anything. But like, like I said, with with kind of taking a step back and viewing Jerry, like when she's questioning, like, how could he possibly know how to write a female? Then I'm like, wait, how could you know how to write a man? But then I'm having these like this internal dialogue where I'm like, yeah, but guys actually are like that. It's not in my mind. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not some, you know, feminazi being like, oh, all men <laughs> suck, you know, which I mean, if that's been your experience, then I'm sorry you haven't met a nice guy, but they do exist. I mean, they're kind of hard to find, but they are out there. But I think that that kind of took me out of it for a little bit just because I'm like, well, like, is this true? Like, is Jerry actually this bad? So it didn't really change my opinion of it, but it kind of took me out of it for a little bit Mm -hmm. as I'm struggling with myself. Yeah. What was your overall opinion of the book? Like, what would you rate it scale of one to five? So I think my rating would probably be a four. And only reason why I don't say a five is because even like there was still some holes that could have been filled, especially like we talked about Eileen and, and Tori's plan, like the plan development was a little weird. Like I didn't know. And, and maybe that was realistic, but like, I don't know where that would have was going. You know what I mean? And then two, just the ending of it a little bit, I felt like it felt, it was great, but it fell just a little bit flat. You know what I mean? Because like Kim just took Eileen's book and then added something. And like, now she's shopping this book around and like, no one's even talking to her about like, how did you, you know what I mean? Like, why would you take this book and like, just shop it? Like you, you wrote all of this, you know what I mean? My my thought process was like, it's a little, it was a little weak at the end, but still good. That was kind of why I would give it a four too, because I think that I didn't really like that in the end, Kim sort of makes this sort of like, you know, benefit of, well, I'm stealing. Cause I do think that she could genuinely have been sort of a a hero in this story being like, no, I'm not going to like benefit from him at all. Like not saying she should run a smear campaign or anything like that. But I think that the fact that she was comfortable using his name to better herself, I could see maybe what the author was trying to do with that being like, you know, in a way that could be a little empowering that like, you're not going to beat me down. I'm going to have a benefit to your name, like, but I just didn't really care for it overall in that way. Her own book talking about her experiences with this guy and like kind of blasting him that way. And especially because he was such a famous writer being his niece, being assaulted by him, like her, her memoir would have been off the chain. But the fact that she took like Eileen's book and then added something and then made a, a this alternate ending, it was kind of flat for me. Yeah. And I don't like that Eileen gets no credit. I mean, say what you will about her. She is a completely insane human being, but <laughs> right. I don't think that that justifies, you know, 
plagiarizing her work or flat out stealing it and saying it's it's well, I guess that is by definition plagiarism. Right. right. <laughs> Let me break it down for anybody out there that doesn't know what plagiarism is. Here is, is the Webster dictionary <laughs> definition. Let me tell you what plagiarized means for anybody out there who's never done it. Yes. Or didn't know they were doing it because they've never heard the word plagiarized. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I would give it a four too. I think that that's, I think that's fair. I think that it wasn't, you know what the problem is though? It's because we picked such a good book for the very first one that I'm just wondering, like, are we yeah. scaling these other books Yes. based on, Yes. like we're chasing the dragon. <laughs> yes. The silent patient was our first hit. Why did we do that? Why did we do know. that to ourselves? Because that book we gave a five. We're like, it was amazing. Five, five out of five, like nothing. And everything recommend this like, to everybody. Uh, you know, it's not the silent patient. So like everything else is trash to us. Yeah. It's like, it really is. I think like, you know, your first time high and then, you know, nothing is ever as good as that. You smoke meth out of a light bulb and it's just not the same thing you got from that initial hit you know, when you were 16. Oof. Are you talking about life experiences? No, I've or? never smoked meth. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I oh. saw that on Dr. Phil that some, that was an actual thing that somebody was talking about that, that like the idea of chasing the dragon, this woman was like, yeah, I, you know, got really high the first time. I think she like smoked weed mixed with something else. And she was oh, like, no. it was the best high of my life. And then, you know, flash forward 10 years now, I'm smoking meth out of a light bulb. And in my mind, I was like, how do you? It's literally a gateway drug is what they say. I... But how did you know? Like, where do you get a light bulb? <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. If not, if nothing, she is innovative. Like, Oh, that's true. <laughs> That's true. And she ended up on Dr. Phil. So hopefully she's doing okay now. This was years ago. I've never been on Dr. Phil. So should I start smoking crack out of a light bulb? You got a lamp behind you. Take that light bulb out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wait for your husband to come in. (laughs) You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. (laughs) Do we have to hide the light bulbs from you now? (laughs) So that's all we have for Dream Girl. But that is not all we have for October. Join us back here next Sunday for a very special Halloween episode. We're going to be discussing the intro to our podcast, which features a quote from the Twilight Zone episode, Time Enough at Last, which is season one of the Twilight Zone. I think it's episode eight. So watch that episode and then join us for a nice, relaxed, short stories version of our book club on October 31st. Yeah, so actually not next Sunday, the Sunday after next, two Sundays. October well, no, because we're releasing this. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I have no concept of time. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you always have to tell me like when to read, what to do, yes. <laughs> where I need to be. <laughs> I'm like, Tori, your assistant. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to chop you up and put you in a meat freezer. (laughs) Yes, but um, definitely we love to hear from all of our listeners. So email your suggestions for our November and December book club um, book choice because we actually do not have a book picked yet for November. So we encourage you to pick our book. Um, We'll put a poll up on Instagram. So if you follow us at ACBC podcast on Instagram, or if you like to email us, you can reach us by email at the or the ACBC podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow, make sure you like, make sure you comment, engage with us. We definitely want to hear from you guys. We love it so much. We are Really want to just say that we appreciate all your um, continued support and we are available on most streaming services. So make sure you like, follow and subscribe. So we will see you not next week, but in two weeks for Halloween. Yes. Bye.